Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I'm your host, Mike Veerman. We're here with a friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman. We also have our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. Guys, what's popping? Recording pretty early in the morning. Max, your hair's looking pretty sweet. Just like a full-on, just flowing. Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of... You know, I was looking at some um, photos of myself from back when, when my hair was shorter and more clean-cut. And... I think I looked hotter. What, what do you think, Shane? <laughs> yeah, right now you don't look good. But th- I, that's because <laughs> I think it's early in the morning and not because your long hair is bad. It's just, it's all over the place right now. But I have seen recent videos of you with short hair and it was a little jarring only because I haven't seen you with short hair in a while. So just because of recency bias, I'm going to say I prefer long hair because I'm used to it. Okay. Yeah, because I keep th- having this fantasy that it's going to finally get enough weight that will flop down and go down to my shoulders like yours, Shane. Because mm-hmm. we got a chance to hang out the other night, and I was admiring how beautiful your hair was. And I was like, one day my hair will be like that. But it just seems <laughs> to keep growing up and puffy. Like, I thought with age or something, it would grow heavier and fall, but not not quite yet. You thought as you got older... Uh, and wiser, uh, yeah. The, the the genetics of your hair would change. You would go from curly to flow, like Shane's. Like, it, like I don't think people's hair changes with age. It does. It a little heavier. And then it, it, it does? Kind of oh, it changes. Yes. Yeah, so when you're a kid, I used to have curly hair like Max. And it was, it was so blonde. I have pictures where my hair is like blonde. Then it got hmm. wavier when I was a teenager. It was wavy. And now it's a lot straighter. Hmm. Another thing I'd like to point out for our listeners is that Max is eating breakfast or something. And (laughs) I don't know how many podcasts where people eat on the mic, but here we are uh, just crushing food on the mic. (laughs) Yes, obviously. I I couldn't hear it. I feel like you're you're doing a good job of moving away from the mic, in my opinion, but it does a little bit take you out of the conversation and make people feel maybe like you're not listening to them. Okay, uh, I put I put this beautiful breakfast. Sandwich no, no, Maxie, away. finish your breakfast. Erica is a wizard <laughs> on the editing. I'm sure she will take out all the little crunches and munches, and uh, and we'll just we'll just flow. Finish your breakfast. I don't want a cranky Max. Yeah, what are you eating, by the way? Yeah, uh, this like breakfast sandwich from this like French bakery. It's really really good. Yeah, la boulangerie. How's my Wi-Fi? Is it shit again? <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, the, we, we lost. That's yeah. why I'm laughing. <laughs> Because every time it's the crucial part of the information that I need, it cuts out. It's like, oh, fuck me. Okay, hold on. I'm uh, I'm I'm uh, going on a hot spot. Okay. One yeah, second. let's for you, Max. Let's never not be on that hot spot because you know it's an inevitability. We do every episode. We do this. Like, let's quit the charade. <laughs> hey, so guys, we hung out in real life. We did. Uh, was that the first time? Like like a real hang? A real hang, how yes. How out recently? In my opinion, it was my first real hang out. I felt like everyone was at their best. It was what I fantasized about when I first <laughs> made my reintroduction into, into the world, which was a little anticlimactic for me. This was what I always wanted. I got to do everything that I like to do. Yeah, so you guys came into the big city. Uh, yes. Our most beloved friend... Matt Unsworth um, was in town from L.A. and also the uh, host of Heist podcast. Huge shout mm-hmm. out to Heist. Great, great Heist. podcast. And also our most enviable friend in many ways, Mark Myers, was there. And I was telling some folks about this. What made the hang so special 
is that you four have this amazing history and chemistry with each other because that was your department mm-hmm. at Much Music, all these creatives working together, throwing C. Wong, throwing some other guys in there, just this amazing crew that just happened to start working together and then became lifelong friends. And then I'm sort of like a fifth wheel, but because of the nature of the pandemic and the nature of my work, I actually hang out with Unzi more than you guys do. And I also hang out with Mark Myers more than you guys do. So I'm actually kind of better friends with them in some ways than even you guys are. I know that probably hurts to say, Shane, but... Um, it's just not true because nothing can break the bond that Myers and I have. We could not see each other for 20 years and we would still be much closer than you and him will ever be. Hey, we get into it. We get into it sometimes, Shane. What I was going to say... There's a few occasions, though, Shane, you're talking about how, how good it was and how it lived up to the fantasy, is that Mike would just like look around the table and go, this is the best. This is the fucking best. This is the fucking best right now. And because uh, it was. It was great. It was a beautiful night. We were in, we were in Toronto. Um, we were all kind of, again, just appropriately drunk together. The secret ingredient, too, I found, was having people we had never met before at the table. And that creates mm. an exciting energy. And I I had forgotten what that feeling is like when people don't know you and you're meeting them f- for the first time. And there is this need or want to impress them and be funnier and kind of test your skills in that social way. And I found it really, it brings out the best in Mike. I find no one's better than Mike at being hilarious within the first like two minutes of meeting someone and it oh, was just mike the was best way to break the ice shop it was so good yeah mike was on host mode but also being super funny so basically i thought it was just going to be the five of us hanging out and then i showed up and there's a, a couple of random people there like a, a couple of friends of unzi's just like childhood friends some new friends and I was like, who are these people? But then Mike was doing his Mike thing, as you say. And Mike was on fire. He was being so funny. But you know what? I, I agree with you, Shane. There is that that energy of just running into new people and like presenting yourself that for a lot of people in the pandemic, probably especially you, Mike, in Hamilton, who was only really seeing your family or the Champagne Boys, you weren't getting any of that natural juice. You know? Am I right? A hundred percent. Like Shane like nailed it. It's like... That was the first time it felt like us going out in the old world that I've experienced in two years. And one of the beautiful That's things crazy. about new new people sort of being at that table, we went to Stacked in Toronto. Is this awesome sort of like um, picnic bench setup? If you're, you know it if you're from Toronto. But anyway, we're all hanging out at this bench. And the thing about these new people sort of being there was that our collective sort of like um, chemistry and sort of institutional knowledge of each other is we can tell stories that we all know and riff on them that are new to these people. And we get to relive like, oh, that time this thing happened. And it's like, it's almost like stand up bits that collectively five people can do together and you're waiting for the beats and pe- someone will remember something from the story you don't remember or they'll just start making fun of a where where you went in the story and then you can do callbacks. It just was one of those kind of hangs where the pictures of beer were flowing and it was just, it was lovely. And and like I said at the moment, I just, I, I couldn't, I just kept looking around and be like, this is great. This is fucking great. This is what it used to be like. <laughs> but if you weren't there, Mike, that would have been a terrifying experience for me. The second I sat down, <laughs> I was like, oh, yes, I remember this feeling. This is going to go bad. I feel awkward instantly. And then you just took over. And it, I was remembering. And then you, ah, that, that feeling kicks in too. This is what it's like. <laughs> this is why I love Mike. Oh, he's such a great facilitator to make everyone comfortable and we can let him hold court. 
and you let me have little moments where I can punch in. And it was just a great symbiotic type of social relationship that I, I forgotten about, you know? Oh yeah, it was, uh, it was great. And everybody, everybody was killing and being funny. Myers had stuff. You were being really funny. Like everybody just like, I was laughing just as much as I was talking because you forget sometimes like how funny and the reason we're all friends is because of the hang is always fucking great. And you sometimes forget what that's like, you know? And it's just like, it was, it was cool. Yeah, well, was Myers really cool. was really funny. Cause at one point he was just silent for 20 minutes <laughs> yeah. as you were talking and I would punch him with the odd thing. And I'm like, Hey, what's going on? And he's like, I just can't stop thinking of jokes. My brain just can't stop thinking of jokes. <laughs> it's like, it's sad, but true. <laughs> so he was what? just overthinking when to punch in with like a punchline. But it, it paralyzed him in a way. <laughs> but then obviously yeah, he was quiet. He, down yeah, 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 he was. But then once you know that melted away, he he was normal again. And yeah, you and I, Max. I think you were going to say that before I cut you off. We got to chat. I got to ask you all these things on a personal level that we typically don't get to be at. We got to do that. Oh, it was awesome. Okay, so you know what? You know what I did? I, I actually strategically did this. So we're sitting at the bench. Mm. Um, it's like it's me. I got Shane to my right, and then I got Myers over to Shane's right, and then it's it's Unzi across, and then two of Unzi's friends, and then another uh, two of his childhood friends are there, and then and then Maxi shows up, and then he sits to my left, and so like we're everything's flowing, everything's going good. But in my mind, I'm kind of like actually, I mean, at this point, I'm like it might be better for me to get Max beside Shane because him and Shane haven't really had a, a true hang in like two years. And then he'll be directly across from Unzi and then Unzi's two other friends. And it's like, there'll be, I think that this could be a good chemistry play. And I kind of know Unzi's other friends. So I'm like, I don't mind switching over to the left and kind of starting to side. So I was like, Maxi, switch me. I was like, switch me, you go beside Shane. And then it made me so happy because as I was sort of having a talk on my part of the, the table, I, I could, I heard you guys, like, like you guys found a moment to sort of like, actually like dig in. Yeah, I was going to say you created Mike and I didn't know if this was intentional or not, but a perfect bubble. And like ecosystem or something of uh, natural conversation. Yeah, yeah. I thought about it. I did. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to change this slightly because I because I also felt like I was boxing Max a bit. Yeah, out no one felt on boxed edge. out. I was going to say that too. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. that was really no, good. It was very good, Mike. I, <clears throat> I appreciate that leadership because that's some real like point guard skills. And I think when you're <laughs> in a bigger group, you need the one person just to alpha the situation. You go, nope, you're here. You're there. You're there. You're there. Because people just sort of, whenever you're in a group, just awkwardly sit wherever there happens to be an opening. But usually that can land in not the best or most ideal way. So the fact that you're like, no, Max, you're over here. I'm like, okay. And it was great. So what was it like for, for so back to the Shane's thing, what was it like for you two to sort of really dig in and have a friend catch up that you haven't had in a couple oh, of years? It was awesome. And I was actually telling, uh, I think I was telling Dan Hamilton about this. I, I was saying that I had a great hang with Shane and he's like, oh, Shane is the best one-on-one. -on -one, and like, that is where Shane really shines. Obviously, Shane, you're good in a group. And, you know, if there was like, if it was just the three of us talking, it would be awesome. But, uh, you know, you like to <clears throat> ask really good questions, really get into like the deeper meanings or what do you really mean when you say that? Or you like to, even in a one-on-one -on -one thing, you're like, do you really mean that? Like you're good mm -hmm. at like really questioning people and, and that's what makes the conversation so fun. And uh, yeah, again, we haven't had that in so long. So it, it was awesome. More, more trips uh, to the big city. I think you got to do that. It just, the only downside to it was the next morning because <laughs> I had to go to a child's communion 
and be social there. And I didn't have Mike with me to handle the social situation. (laughs) And it really felt weird without that cushion that Mike provides because there was moments where I'd be like. You developed a crutch in one night. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've always had this crutch. And I rely on Mike in a lot of social situations. But it's without that, it's just dead silence. And I don't know how to make small talk and I'm at the communion and it felt like everyone hated me and you feel like a bloated corpse a little bit walking into these (laughs) situations when you have that tinge of a hangover. And, you know, you're Mm. up at 5 a.m. with the kids. It's it was a little bit of a nightmare because we we didn't get home till 3.30 a.m., I think. Right. Because we had to leave the Uber at two. Yeah, we were. Yeah, we yeah, we got back like we came back to Hamilton and it was uh yeah, it was late, man. I was feeling it, but I certainly didn't have to be at a communion. That's tough. Were you able to at least avoid, like, avoid conversation with people and just sort of keep to yourself? I was, but then you can somewhat feel like the person who's avoiding conversation. So I would go off wherever Lucy was. I would play with her, and my excuse was I'm tending to the child, and that was my oh, escape nice. from anything social. <laughs> That's funny. Hey, yeah. actually, guys. Um, so. So we get booted from Stacked, and we're looking for a place to go. The, the group is bloated to about eight people. We're in downtown Toronto. It's Friday night, and I'm thinking, oh, God, like how are we all going to get into a bar that's within walking distance? We don't want to be able to uh, you know, stand in line. We, you know, we have such a good rhythm so far. And I realized that our friend has a condo right in the neighborhood, and he he's not in town, <laughs> and he also – has my name on his permanent guest list at the front desk. So if you were to go in to, to the front lobby and talk to the door person and you say, my name is Max Kerman, I'm here to see so-and-so, they go, go right on up and they'd buzz me up. And so I also knew that he had a bunch of free alcohol uh, in his space. So I was <laughs> like, guys, I have, yeah, free does. <laughs> I, have the, I, have the, I have the perfect place. My, my buddy, he's in LA right now. You don't even need a key to get into his beautiful penthouse place. They're like, awesome. So anyway, we end up going there. We carry on the conversation. You know, we throw some music on. It's just kind of the perfect night. It's sort of just an extension of Stacked. Anyway, we have a great time. You guys probably call an Uber back to Hamilton at around like 1.30. Uh, I've already told our friend that I'm going to stay at his place in his bed. Like I like to go over there sometimes when he's not in town just to act like I'm staying in a hotel because I just like <laughs> miss that. <laughs> and he's like, no problem. He's super, super generous. Like, you know, he's like very, very easygoing. And he's like, hey, just make sure like I'm coming back from LA the next day. Just make sure the place is sort of cleaned up. I want to be able to like, I'm going to be tired. I'll travel a lot. Just like make sure that like the bed's made and it's all cleaned up. All good. Happy to host you guys. I'm like, okay, amazing. So the next morning, I do my due diligence. Actually, I'm cleaning up even that night. I'm wiping down the countertops. I'm taking out the, the garbage. Um, I'm getting the place in great shape. Um, and I wake up. I, I, I go back. I restock the fridge. I buy a bottle of vodka for him to put in his alcohol thing. I buy some Gatorades. I buy some M&Ms. It's, I'm, like, I'm feeling like very proud of myself about what like a responsible friend and adult I'm being. And then he calls me the next day. He's home. He's like, hey, Max, um, on the counter, there was some expense receipts. And I really need those to justify all of my expenses for my job. Uh, do you know where you, where you put those? Oh, no. The garbage. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. Oh, no. And you're cleaning. That's what you did. Yeah. Max- See, the one time I clean up, I just I uh, lost all of his expenses. So <laughs> how much trouble is this going to cause? I don't know. He seemed to think it's okay. And then I was like, okay, 
tell me the places where I'll track down those receipts. Just tell me the places. He's like, well, there's like a nightclub in New York. Uh, there's a there's a random taxi service in New York. Um, just like really random shit, which is not like calling, you know, some reputable restaurant or something. I don't know. I don't know how easy it would have been even if it was the most reputable places. But it was like very random places far away. So I was like, okay, I think I fucked you on that one. Sorry. So hopefully our privileges will not be revoked from from going there. But um, but thank you for being so understanding, friend. A hundred percent. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Hey, yeah. So basically, we got to do this more often, guys. Now that the Raptors are back, now that the Leafs, now the stuff's opening up, the vaccine rates are getting super high. I just need you guys to uh, to not only get the night off, but the next morning, just be like, "Hey, Danica, Alex, I'm going to be gone for the next 24 hours, so I'm leaving at seven, <laughs> and you're not going to see me till 7 p.m. the next day. And that's just the deal. You can have 24 hours too. Okay, it's not I've a 12 hour thing. Well, Max, can you maybe do that pitch to them for us uh, before we come out? I want to know how that goes. Okay. Actually, yeah. yeah, yeah. Let me know. I'm charming. I can, you know, I get stuff done. Uh, no, uh, but it was, it was awesome. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. And, uh, yeah, it was really great seeing you guys. Um, okay. What the hell are we doing here? All right. Well, we got lots going on. I mean, listen, I'm just going to lay it out here for you guys and our listeners. Uh, there's a restaurant in Hamilton that is, is, is refusing to sort of abide vaccine mandates. Uh, obviously the two Michaels is an international, uh, situation that has since been resolved with China and our government and an extradition case uh, out in Vancouver. We can get into that. Uh, there was a wild, uh, I thought, Max, you said, I'd never even seen, there's an article in the New Yorker um, that is sort of about the internet and the way that we perceive fame and the way that it is, it is now sort of available to everybody. The, the piece is phenomenal. We could talk about that. I'm putting this out for, for you guys, whatever you want to talk about. What, what do we want to start with? Maxie, you're the producer. You you hit us. Okay, well, I think, um, and also I kind of want to talk about the NBA vaccine stuff because there's a couple of key players oh, there. And I so think so much is going on, Max. So much in the so, world is but, going on. Yeah, so Shane, though, I think I'd like Shane's take on – so this Hamilton restaurant – and there's, there's many restaurants like this. We shouldn't say that they're the only restaurant in Canada that is uh, not completely abiding by the, the vaccine passport. But uh, Shane, have you been following that story at all? Yeah, of course. It got sent around to our group, the screen grab, where the owner had sent a very rude message to someone complaining that they weren't following the rules of checking vax passport. And the response was just a weird response with laced with swear words and something you wouldn't expect from a reputable business. It's quite fascinating and it makes Neek Restaurant very entertaining to follow just to watch how <laughs> fucked up it is. Because <laughs> well, yeah, give some co- yeah. context about Neek. So Neek is a restaurant in downtown Hamilton on James Street, which is sort of like the last 10 years been like the burgeoning up and coming where, you know, the downtown revitalization. Neek is a very sort of hip, like Asian, sort of Japanese fusion restaurant. They've spent a lot of money making it look beautiful. And the food is very high caliber. Um, and yeah, and I guess um, the, the owner of Neek um, isn't really enforcing the, the vaccine passports. And I could probably, somebody sent the screen grab just asking uh, of of the DMs and said, uh, you know, I just want to know as a customer, I need to know if you're enforcing the mandate before I choose to dine there. 
And then they responded, you as a customer are always expected to make your own decisions on what is safe, comfortable, desirable, and off-putting for you. Why are you looking at me for an answer to tell you what to do? Is that how you were raised? Does your current boyfriend or partner oppress you to the point where you need to ask others to make decisions for you? Where you are now asking a restaurant owner to take responsibility for your health and your perception about public safety? Because that is fucking ludicrous. Grow up and be an adult. Make decisions on your own accord. Whether that to be done with us or not, I could give two flying fucks. <laughs> you do not seem educated enough to simply make your own decisions. Oh my God. I don't have a self-choosing dinner menu either, so it's probably best to stick to HelloFresh and stay home. They'll plan your meals for you. So it was a very aggressive style note. Yeah, weird uh, and then, endorsement for HelloFresh at the end. Do you think they were sarcastic <laughs> yeah. and they have a vendetta against that restaurant? HelloFresh is like, why am I catching bullets? Like, we're just over here trying to offer a and service. Don't we expect restaurants to take care of our health and well-being when we enter there? Like, aren't we expected that they're going to abide by fire codes and food and safety regulations? So when we get our food, the assumption is that this has been checked and we can eat without getting food poisoning isn't that the like base minimum we expect when we go into a restaurant like this isn't weird at all it's so strange isn't it yeah oh uh, yeah i mean i mean uh, michael let you hop in here but real quick i mean that is sort of like the baseline thing about any vaccine protest is that when they're mad it's like how dare they it's like don't we expect there be some sort of responsibility that we have towards each other in general for literally everything we do it's it's like you know it goes back to like what do you mean you i can't drink and drive you you're taking my liberties away you're like well you can't do it because it might hurt somebody else and that's kind of why we have these rules that's why we have these like these bylaws etc etc just to keep kind of other people straight and uh, keeping you know everybody as as safe as possible um but anyway mike what's your what's your take on this yeah i found it more i mean listen like this is if anything, this positioning, like the whole, like, you know, there are a lot of very vocal opponents. I don't know if it's a super vocal minority or what to the whole vaccine mandate thing. And so like that position is ultimately unsurprising to me. The approach, like the anger and the response to me was a little bit jarring. Like, I'm just like, what, why? Like, I don't need, I don't think you needed to go this hard. Like, it's like, it's almost like, why, like, like, it's like, if you have that position, maybe, maybe, maybe anyone that has that position feels attacked in their own way. I was just trying to get to the root of like, why would you go this hard in this message? And they're doubling down. Like I haven't looked at their social Shaney, but you were saying that it's like, I guess it's entertaining there. Every, everything now is a post where people are applauding them for making this decision. Whereas I guess before this was like an underground secret and now it's a forward facing thing that's representing their restaurant. So every story that they put up is someone adulating them, Oh, I finally, somebody's against segregation and I applaud you. I will be visiting this restaurant tonight. And there's 30 posts. It's an Adamson's barbecue situation, but for like yeah. a hipster restaurant in downtown Hamilton kind of thing. Totally. And I mean, it's like, I guess that becomes a selling feature for the restaurant. They're clearly positioning themselves as sort of the anti-authoritism. Like they're kind of like, this is, we're going to take the alternative path and we're going to use it as sort of like a feature, not a bug. Like we're not ashamed of it anymore. This is part of the experience of coming to, to Neek, I guess is the angle or the, and I don't know if this was like a thought out sort of mm-hmm. ploy or just, you know, the, them sticking up for what they think are their civil liberties and all of the same sort of tired arguments we've been hearing for like the last you know, year or whatever it's been since we started had the vaccine and knew that this sort of thing was coming. 
Uh, but again, like it's, I guess only time will tell if they thrive and there's enough people that want to eat in a place like that and ideologically sort of back them, or if they're going to turn off more people. And that's it's like any business calculation. These people are business owners. They obviously think that, or they're willing to go down based on their principles. I don't know, man, but it's like- Here, again, Here's a question. What do you guys think is, because if, if I should note as, um, as sort of, I think- um, as mean and misguided as that response was, I do have sympathy for all the restaurants out there. You of know, obviously course. Nick and I are of part course. of odds. It's like, it's been a, a brutal time for the restaurant industry. Everything is really hard. This person is under intense, intense stress. So lashing out like that, like makes sense. And in some ways, and I, and I, I get it. Um, doesn't excuse the behavior, but like, I understand like how, how difficult it's been. And I, and I am sorry for that. Um, do you think that like, you know, in Canada, we're lucky that like our vaccine rates are at least in Toronto and Southern Ontario, are, like 85 to 90%. It's getting there. It's, so most people are totally on board with it. It feels like a group effort. There are though 10 to 15% of people that are not. Do you think if we hadn't gotten to such severe lockdown, people would be so, ang- be this angry about it? Like, do you think if there had been a little bit more leniency in the last year and a half that resembled America or other places around the world where you wouldn't see this backlash of people that are so resistant to it? Or do you think there's always just going to be 10% of people that, or 15% of people that are just like, don't tell me what to do. Fuck you. Which is sort of like the tone that you hear from a lot of these anti-vaxxers. Well, this has been going on for a long time, right? So people's livelihoods are on the line. And I feel like a lot of these restaurants feel like if they don't get people through the door, they're going to shut down. So this person's going to an extreme measure to save his business. Yeah, the, I mean, the vaccine hesitancy or just outright disdain um, or the disdain for the mandates, like you said, being told what to do or whatever that is. Again, like there seems to be this disconnect between what people think society is and what like what sort of like our society is. Like we've been living in sort of a pretty controlled construct our whole fucking lives but because you just be, you just been in the goddamn pot while it's boiling you didn't know it but now because like it seemed it's seemingly changed for you but it's like listen at your restaurant and i saw a tweet like alluding to this a 15 year old can't come in and buy alcohol mm-hmm. like you just, that's just a, that's just a regulation that we've established at some point along the way where you have to be 19 in this country to be able to buy alcohol okay so there's one it's like you get fined if you don't wear a seatbelt. Well, okay. Well, only you're the one that gets hurt if you're not wearing a seatbelt, presumably, right? You're not like, it's like, so why, why are you making me wear a seatbelt when it's like my choice? Like, these are obviously very sort of like, um, out front examples that we've seen memes of and all that stuff, but it is true. Like we are so regulated and those regulations are there for reasons and you can argue them or not. But this latest one with this sort of vaccine, again, how many vaccines did we take before we even stepped foot in a fucking preschool as kids? Like, but Mm -hmm. because we just, we accepted it and society was in a different place back in the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s when we were sort of doing these things we just sort of accept it and it becomes common and now people are comparing this to you know this is the beginning of the end your civil liberties what's next they're, you know and they're comparing it to you know uh, world war ii and hitler's germany and it's just like what i like again like what do you think you've been doing for your whole life already like you live in a construct with rules that we abide by and for like by and large they've been good for all of us and that's just the mm-hmm. way it goes it's just those rules weren't affecting their livelihood until right now because they were playing within the rules that were established and then they started a business then the rules changed it affected their business 
And now they're grasping at straws and quite desperate and willing to do anything to stay afloat. I remember the I remember the outrage when they banned smoking indoors. Mm. My dad was one of the guys who raged against the machine. I'm a second class citizen. This is bullshit. I spend my money here. Now they're going to make me step out on the curb like some pariah. I remember all that stuff. You know what I mean? And it's just like the reason is because your secondhand smoke can affect other people who aren't smoking inside the buildings. And it's shown like there's science that sort of backs up why we don't do this. So do you believe that science? Well, I guess because there's like 60 years of lung cancer and all this shit. And you, I guess you don't believe that vaccines are helpful or that they're, they're, they're sort of, they don't play a role in sort of mitigating the spread uh, and effects of COVID-19. Like I just don't understand the position other than just sort of the, the sort of intense anger that people have. And Shane, you probably, you probably touched on it. It's like, it's their livelihood. People don't necessarily want to have like a thorough conversation. They just want to sort of scream at the sky uh, and try and put up blocks. Yeah, I think they're absolutely wrong. I'm just with the smoking ban. People who smoked could still go in the restaurant. They just couldn't smoke in the restaurant. So I can understand why they're frustrated. And all the people who lash out in this way are incentivized to do so because they're losing their job, maybe. I hadn't really thought of the um, cigarette smoking inside ban. Um, Mike, do you recall how your dad's feelings would have changed from the moment he heard about it to five years later? Like, I I wonder if there's going to be a similar path to anti-vaccine people who are really pissed about it now because they think it's infringing on their liberties. Time passes. Eventually, they're told they just have to get it or they can't participate in anything. They begrudgingly get it. uh, And then in five years, they go, "Eh, whatever, who cares? Like, like, what do you think? Do you think the path will be similar? I think it's very likely. Yeah, mm-hmm. it it all depends how the virus goes. It depends how, you know, like I do think the vaccine's going to, we're already seeing like numbers go down as the population gets more vaccinated, but obviously nobody wants to acknowledge that that's on, you know, just sort of the side of, of anti-vax. You know, the other thing too, I would say is it's like a lot of the arguments that are kept, like if I were an anti-vaxxer, I'd kind of just be quiet about the whole thing. I mean, obviously the civil liberty things changes, but even before that with the sort of vaccine card, there was a lot of like anger on the internet and like a lot of sort of like that whole sheep angle, like I'm not getting a vaccine until I know the effects it has and blah, 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 blah. And I remember always thinking like, I don't know, like, aren't you happy that all your like friends and colleagues are willing to take the risk? Like, what are you hoping? Are you hoping that in two years we find out that the vaccine had some sort of adverse effect that there's something negative? Like, do you win then? Like, shouldn't you be thanking all of us to take that chance so that we do get past a certain percentage of herd immunity? And then you can sit there and be like, I never got it and I'm just fine. It's like, yeah, because we all did it. So if I were you, I'd sort of just chill and sort of be thankful that other people were willing to take the risk. But everybody was just so vocal about like, Oh, and everyone's posting selfies about their vaccine. It's like, I don't know, man. Like it, it's it's a very weird angle to take. And obviously that's not to conflate that angle with the new angle, which is I can't go into a restaurant now unless I'm double vaxxed or I can't go to a, a Blue Jays game or whatever that that thing is, which is a different argument. Um, but again, I, I'll just circle back to your point, Max, which is like, we're in the angry part. We're in the rage against the machine part of it. We're in the weird sort of figuring it out. And then it's probably just going to smooth out and just be life. And that's the way that all these things work. I, I was telling these guys on Friday before you showed up, Maxie, to Stacked. I, um, Danica uh, wasn't home, so I, I grabbed uh, Win and I was like, ah, I'm not going to make dinner tonight. And I brought her to Eastside Mario's. And so it was just like oh, yeah. super impromptu. 
Oh, that's pop- why you guys were talking about Eastside Mario's when I got yeah, there. You guys wouldn't yeah. shut the fuck up. I was like, what? Why? Okay, now I get it. Yeah. Well, it, became, it ended up becoming a running callback joke, too, because yeah. uh, to, the two of Matt's friends were kind of being elitist about the old Eastside Mario's, and I was defending mm-hmm. it. And then we talked about your short employment there before uh, ultimately uh, parting ways with them. Maybe not on the best of terms. I got fired. Yeah, you can yeah. say it. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I, I I bring Winona and we just we pop in literally and I'm like, hey, I'm like, uh, we don't have a reservation, but like, do you have a spot for two? And the woman was like, yeah, we do. She's like, but uh, do you have your do you have your vaccine thing? And I was like, oh, holy shit! I didn't realize that it had gone into effect yet. And the only reason I had it is because I'd gone to a, a Ty Cats game with Jules and Sean and, and Jug. So. I, I had to go through my phone and find it, but it actually was kind of, and there's people behind me and I was like, oh my God, like this is happening. I pull it up and then she's like, you're going to have to like zoom in. And she was like legit. Like she like, she cross-referenced it with my license and it was like, mm. she took it seriously. I go into the restaurant. Now, listen, like I, we've all been very open. We're all vaxxed. We obviously are pro-vax vaccination, all that stuff. For me going into that restaurant, like I knew everybody in that restaurant had been like vetted. I knew that that was like a restaurant that was full of people that were fully vaccine just because I knew how like um, thorough the woman who was checking was. And so like, it was a good experience. And it's like, I just think that like, it's an interesting divide that we're coming to with these things. And I don't I like, do you think this conversation is going to be polarizing to listeners? Like, I don't know how it can't be this day and age. Like, is there anyone in the middle on this topic? Like are most, are there, is there a really like sort of like less vocal, like uh, population of ambivalent people that are kind of like, yeah, I'll get it when it comes to it, but I just don't really like being told like, like why does it feel so like polarizing? I think there are, there are some people in the middle that are just a little anxious about it. And like with every passing month where they go, oh, a bunch of people didn't die from the vaccine or the side effects of the vaccine aren't as bad or they hear more stories about things like, oh, like all my friends have the vaccine and no one's dead. Everyone's living their life normally. And then they go, oh, okay, now if I have to be inside, okay, I'll get it now. But I just didn't want to do it back in the spring. I think there are, there are some people like that that are just hesitant. And then there's the, yeah, I guess the question is like, how do you, yeah, this is the big, the big question of the day. How do you get anti-vaxxers on side and it, because it's being made to be this massive thing and the the most important thing in our lives right now i think that makes people shut down i think i think i wish i sometimes i wonder it's like oh, i wish if this was just like presented differently i was talking to my friend matt about this like if this had been presented as a supplement that joe rogan sells on his podcast <laughs> and and it was like yo for 20 percent you can get like the best vaccine but it's not a vaccine it's actually a, a protein powder uh, and you you put it in your shake before you work out, and it's like amazing. It's better than the shit they're giving you at the fucking you know pharmacy. This is the real shit. Like I just, sometimes I wonder if it was, it was just presented in a different way, and it wasn't made to be this like big divisive thing. It was meant to be this, this like one of many things you put into your body to be healthy. Um, it, I wonder if it'd have a better effect. I think that would work. I think that's a brilliant marketing idea <laughs> that that could work when we've been trying to brainstorm and figure out ways to actually get anti-vaxxers to take it i think a joe rogan ad for 15 percent off if it was like use promo code <laughs> joe 50 it would work i think that's so good i wonder though if okay in five years is that enough of a test period where the anti-vaxxers will be thinking no one died or, or not enough people died to be actually worried about this? Or is it 10 years? Or is there no amount of time that will ever make them change their answer of no because they'll feel like if they take the take the vax that they've lost in some way, a battle? Mm. Is there an That's amount of time, question. you think? For some people, no. 
but maybe it's reaching that sort of like ambivalent sort of like middle or like Max said, people that are kind of like, it's just enough hesitation where they're like, I'm not going to go out of my way to go get the shot. But again, I guess this is the whole, the whole idea of the vaccine passport mandate is this is going to incentivize, incentivize a ton of people who want to go to their favorite restaurants, who do want to go to sports things, who maybe aren't like super like excited about it, but they're like, eh, I'll do it if it means this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And again, like, you know, I don't know how you, ch- I don't know how you change people's minds when it does. It has become such like a, div- like um, a hill that people are willing to, you know, die on, uh, no pun intended. It's like, yeah, it's just, it just means that much. To them. It's become ideological, which it never should have been, but maybe everything is. And we just, we pretend like it's not. Is the Vax passport a law though? That's what I'm trying to wrap my head around. How can these people neat like neek get away with it when i thought this was a law that you had to abide by if you're a restaurant they could be fined up to 10 million collectively i think so basically every time <sighs> they're so willing to you take send that it, risk so you sent what happens is i think an inspector gets sent or like someone has to complain then they get checked out it's they're like yeah they're not checking vaccine mandates they'll fine them make up a number 2500 bucks I think you do that and it escalates. I'm not exactly sure, but I know it's like a fine based system, which again, like that's crushing for small businesses as well. Like, you know what I mean? Like to Max's point, like we, I think it's clear that we all have empathy for anyone, small businesses that has to take on this sort of new thing, but it is like, yeah, we're in a pandemic. It fucking sucks. Everything sucks. This is the way it's been. And we're all just trying to get through it and get out of it. And this is the way that we sort of collectively decided to get out of it, you know? And and they don't agree. And I guess that, and they're going to get squeezed for it. And that is the way it is. And, you know, uh, we'll see if they pay it or if they just sort of keep accruing debt. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's a lot of money to sort of, uh, give away for your principles, but people have given away more for less. Um, so on, on this subject, I want to talk about the NBA real quick because yeah. you set it up, Mike, this is uh, this is interesting to um the nba is back baby uh yesterday so recording this on a tuesday monday was a was media day across the nba and so everybody's back in their home markets uh everybody's getting asked questions this is the first time the media has been sort of face to face with uh the players in like two years whenever since the league shut down back in march of 2020 um actually uh, one of the funny th- sort of more charming things that happened was kevin durant was doing his availability in brooklyn and a guy named David from Basketball Digest stood up and started asking questions. It was David Letterman. Uh, and he started uh, asking KD. He was like, he's like, so uh, KD, why do you call yourself KD? Uh, he was just asking. He was, being, he was being very silly. And he was in the room. It was kind of cool. Uh, but this, of course, also led to some controversy uh, because prominent NBA superstars, uh, Kyrie Irving, who we've talked about on this podcast before, Bradley Beal, uh, they revealed that they uh, are not vaccinated. Andrew Wiggins, who is a, a fellow Canadian, um, he's not vaxxed. Now, for Bradley Beal, he plays in Washington. It's not as much of a big deal because Washington doesn't have like an employer mandate, whereas in New York State and in the state of California and in San Francisco, where the Warriors play, you cannot ha- have an, an unvaxed employee in large gra- gathering. So obviously a basketball game is considered a large gathering. So Kyrie Irving, in theory right now, if he remains unvaxed and Andrew Wiggins if he remains unvaxed for the Warriors on San Francisco, they cannot play home games 
because it's a large gathering and just you're not, it's like a statewide, uh, I guess, mandate law. I don't know what you would call it, but basically they can't, uh, they can't perform their duties. So now we're kind of in this weird stalemate. This is just sort of the business basketball side of it, where are these guys going to stick to their, their guns, refuse the vaccination and basically just not play home games. That's one level of it. The other level of it is because they've sort of been, I mean, Andrew was outspoken on his position. Bradley Beal was very sort of like, uh, contrarian and shared his thoughts. Kyrie Irving and his press availability kept saying no comment. It's a personal issue. He wouldn't even like really take a stand. He just kept saying it'll get worked out and I'm not commenting on that. Uh, so th- the issue there is basically these very prominent sort of players influencing their communities, uh, sort of saying that they're not going to do it. Um, for In case you're wondering, all the Raptors are apparently vaccinated. I think like one player is their second shot away, but they're almost all there. So, I mean, that's good for us. Uh, as a team. Um, but yeah, I mean, what were your thoughts, Maxie, when you started seeing all these sort of headlines come popping out on Twitter yesterday with the uh, NBA media day? Yeah, I mean, it's such a unique situation. Like we've never been through anything like this. Um, and I'm, it's always kind of shocking to know which guys are, are anti-vax. Like Bradley Beal, in my mind, um, was always seemed to be like a very kind of kind, level-headed guy. He's played for the Wizards, who haven't been good. He's a great player, but he's never demanded a trade. He just seemed like a very sort of head-on-his-shoulders kind of guy, and I was sort of surprised that he was anti-vax. Andrew Wiggins, who doesn't, who you know, plays for Team Canada, um, he's very quiet, but also apparently very easygoing. I've heard that he's just like a very, very sweet guy, uh, and also like not the most intense guy either like you know like i think maybe the knock on andrew wiggins is that he's not like all about the game in the way that people might hope he is the fact that he's against it is it was sort of interesting to me and the Kyrie thing isn't interesting to me or isn't surprising to me i should say because like he's always been on some other kind of level which is like you don't get the level that i'm on and i'm not going to play by your rules and there's always um a lot of what he talks about is sort of like the history of racism and injustice, and he's donated to a lot of charities and stuff like that. So he's de- he's done great work on that level, but I think he's very skeptical. He's also like was sort of a flat earther for a certain amount of time, <laughs> which and then he was like, "I'm just kidding." Like he's always like talks as if like w- nobody could understand what he's getting on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, it's just gonna be so fascinating because you know those are three of the bigger players in the league. And um, and what and what the league is going to do about it? Well, I guess the question that I had though is, um, do, do unions like uh, you know? I the idea of a union seems very good, and you know you see the strength of a union, you know, representing the workers in all sorts of situations throughout history, and it seems like a great idea. It, it, the, the NBA players union would fight though for these vaccinated folks right like i think no matter what they're always going to protect the best interest of every single one of their players am i am, did michelle roberts who's the player association head did she say that or am i getting that wrong the nba union's position is essentially um we refuse to accept a vaccine mandate like they they mm. they think it goes against people like Kyrie or brad beal or Andrew. they're their civil liberties so they're saying we're not going to allow the nba to say you have to be vaccinated to play in the league uh, they refuse to negotiate on that topic. And that's why they're in this situation. Yeah, you think, uh, yeah, that, that's sort of disappointing to me. I, I I would like to have some sort of like uh, union expert or some workers expert talk to me about like when a union actually puts their foot down and goes, hey guys, like, sorry, you just got to do it. Like you got to do this thing because even though we're supposed to represent each and every single one of you, 
we can't in good faith, knowing that we're in the midst of a global pandemic, you know, stick up for you in this situation. So I wonder if there's any listeners out there that are experts in like workers' rights or unions or something, explain that to me if, if, if they'd ever put their foot down on that. Um, also, I put this conspiracy theory in uh, our basketball chat group. I don't know, I don't know <laughs> I if you that. saw this, uh, Shane. And again, I am not a conspiracy theorist. I, I, I'm usually, you know, take whatever's given to me at face value. I'm usually very like optimistic and naive when it comes to anybody telling me anything. Um, but one of the controversies or storylines was that LeBron might have not been vaccinated last playoff run and he wasn't talking about it. And then his teammate Dennis Schroeder said that he and LeBron were the only guys in the Lakers last season who weren't vaccinated. And I was a little disappointed because LeBron's been such an amazing advocate for uh, just about every good cause in America since the beginning of his career. And I was like, oh, it's such a bummer that he wouldn't be advocating for the vaccine right now. Um, and then uh, the Lakers GM and president put out a statement in a press conference yesterday said, on opening night, when we played the Golden State Warriors, all of the players that are currently signed on our roster on that night will be deemed fully vaccinated. We're really, um, we're really grateful for that. Does the, does the idea of being deemed fully vaccinated sound weird to you? Uh, you think the do, word deemed is a loophole? Is a loophole where it's basically it's like LeBron isn't. And if there's one player in the entire league, I don't think they'd make an exception for anybody else. But if LeBron James just went to Adam Silver and goes, look, you know what I mean to this this league. You know what I mean to the sport. I'm not doing it. And they go, okay. We deem that vaccinated. Us. We deem that vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds <laughs> uh, crazy. vaccinated adjacent. For thinking that? I don't it it's weird wording. It is weird wording. Like it's almost like it's almost like you know, like oh LeBron had COVID, so he has the antibodies. So that's like it's like he's vaccinated or against, exactly. You know exactly. what I mean? Yeah, it's a weird one. And I will say I've been kind of waiting. Like, did the Lakers are the Lakers having their media day today? Because I haven't seen any Lakers quotes, and they've got you know they just made big moves. They got Westbrook. They got Carmelo. Like, I kind of want to hear LeBron's thoughts. On they've asked everybody. Fred Van Vliet got asked yesterday. Like literally everyone in every market. KD spoke on it. Harden spoke on it. You know, I actually saw a report today that uh, they expect Kyrie to get vaccinated uh, because Kevin Durant, I guess, is sort of saying, "Hey, man, like due to Kevin Durant's uh, influence, I think Kyrie's going to do it." But I want to hear LeBron's thoughts, and he hasn't spoken to the press yet because he's going to have an answer. I don't know if it's going to be one of those. Hey, everybody, it's a personal choice, et cetera, et cetera. Somebody's going to ask him point blank, are you vaccinated? And I'm so fascinated to hear the answer, especially after you you mentioned the the GM sort of word choice with with deemed vaccinated. But I don't know when that's happening. So, It'll probably be out by the time yeah, this podcast comes out. But. There's a great tweet, by the way, that Madra Ash just sent. Uh, she's listening along here. Ky- Kyrie said, uh, someone said, me showing up to a wedding in a wedding dress. And, and then that's the quote tweet. And then Kyrie said, this is the last thing I want to create was more hoopla and more distractions. <laughs> it's like, come exactly. on. <laughs> That's so great. Uh, I saw a few um, tweets about, uh, about Kyrie. Like one was uh, like, I guess some anonymous scouter GM said that 
Kyrie's a, a, a contrarian without a cause. And then somebody else tweeted that basically if nobody was getting the vaccine, Kyrie would be the first one to get the vaccine <laughs> because he'd be like, you know what I mean? Like he just, he'll do whatever the masses don't do not to diminish his position or how he feels, but it was a very interesting thing. Sort of once you, you know, look at the entirety of Kyrie's sort of uh, choices and, and the things he, he sort of, you know, he's, he's certainly been a distraction uh, over the course of his tenure with the Cavs and the Nets. One of my favorite Kyrie stories of the last year was he sort of went missing uh, like for two weeks during the regular season. Like yeah. Nobody like really knew where he was. The organization was like, he's not with the team right now. Like, is he injured? It's like, no. And then the, they were <laughs> supposed to play. It was like a Tuesday night. The game's at 730. Kyrie's not in the arena. And then somebody was on a Zoom call for like the New York, uh, city of New York, like public school district, like the district school board. It was yeah. like a Zoom call about community planning. And Kyrie's just like in his living room, just like, <laughs> just listening <laughs> along. <laughs> well, uh, this is what makes Kyrie so fascinating, I think. And not, mm. not to be sort of just easily dismissed is it's like the things that like he is sort of like, I think he does however you feel about his beliefs, I think he has conviction and I think he's willing to sort of like sacrifice the things that we maybe consider valuable, like money or reputation to sort of pursue the things he believes in. Now, again, you might say, Mike, we just heard you talk about anti-vaxxers and, and now you're sort of um, propping Kyrie up. You're saying this is a, a noble character trait and it can be, I think these things are, 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 are you know, they're nuanced and, and there are many sort of sides to all of this mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, if you like helping people, it's good. But if you like killing people, it's bad. If you stick to that, right? <laughs> I think that's that's it's a pretty simple good as that. That's yeah. Like, yeah, it's a good barometer, actually. Um, uh, let's get to the Shane surprise. How about we want to do it? We've been going. Yeah. We've been going. I will say though, and maybe we'll do this on another because uh, it is more evergreen. But I, Max, I thought I, Shane. I don't know if you read this, but uh, the New Yorker piece uh, on the internet: "We're always famous." What happens when the experience of celebrity becomes universal by Chris Hayes? Uh, excellent piece. We're not going to get to it this week. Maybe we talk about it next week because I thought it had some fascinating insights and I couldn't put it down uh, once I started reading it this morning. Yeah, that was a but, good one. Yeah. Uh, that's a tease then maybe for another time. But right now, let's do the Shane surprise. Okay. So this is a bit of a thematic episode talking about conspiracy theories, strange characters, people being extremists. And this Shane surprise is no different. So I got a DM from someone just saying something I had thought about a little bit, but didn't want to vocalize to be petty. But this person's name is Stud Muffin. And they sent me a message that said, Max is unbelievable. He's clearly picking pod favorites. Mike gets featured on a 40 second interlude, as lovely as it was. And the, and through six <laughs> albums, you. the Shane Dog, I've never been called that before, but they're calling me Shane Dog. <laughs> and through six episodes, through, sorry, and through six albums, the Shane Dog hasn't even gotten a reference. I bet the cottage trip hasn't even happened yet. Imagine if it was Mike's <laughs> father-in-law that wanted to go on the trip. Max would have pops, postponed the Arkell's long weekend to make it happen. <laughs> You're being treated like a second class pod member. I, for one, won't stand for it. Please hold him accountable. Next episode. <laughs> mm. So I wanted to talk about this a little bit. Um, how do you feel about that? Is it accurate? First of all, like ha- have I have I never been alluded to on an album? I've never really asked th- this question. But is there any line that you think eh, this is kind of about Shane? 
Um, okay, so the short answer is no. Okay. Uh, th- the longer answer, though, and this is actually more of an interesting answer, I think, is that our song Leather Jacket is sort of inspired uh, in-, in part by uh, an ex- ex-girlfriend of yours. And we've talked about this, right? I didn't know that. Did oh, you, you really didn't know this? No. Oh, there's a line that directly references... I don't know how deep we want to go into this, but maybe we off can mic. beep stuff. Yeah, just fill me in, and I'll go ah. So the line she she even pulled off that stupid haircut is a direct yes. reference to cutting her hair short to look like that girl. You didn't know this, Shane? No. Sometimes I'm just so yeah, into our- that song because it is such a <laughs> banger. I don't listen to every lyric. If it was in the chorus, I might have noticed it more. But so I have affected. The, your yeah, you have, and Leather Jack is the composite of a bunch of different ideas, as are most Darkel songs. But that line in particular, I was thinking about uh, our, our friend. Wow, do you think she pulled it off, or did you not like it? <laughs> I'll have to go back on Facebook right. into those old albums <laughs> and see. I think so. She's a very, very pretty girl. Um, but yeah, so the short answer is she's she's a part of that. Um, but yeah. Um, but Shane, I am always working on new stuff. So, uh, that's what I wanted to brainstorm a little bit here. So, oh, good. Okay. Good, good, good. (laughs) I was thinking of some concepts because sometimes I think Max doesn't really know me that well. Sometimes on the pod, you'll have a theory about me and I'll be like, what? He thinks I'm that way. It doesn't really feel like you know me as well as someone like Mike or other friends. You just make assumptions that aren't necessarily true, but we did have a good night a good hang the other day maybe you could write about that night how it unfolded <laughs> we could keep it very simple about laughing with a, your best friend you know how sometimes you like to hey! exaggerate just to make the song better i know we're not best friends but you could call it laughing with my best friend um or the way you make me laugh could be a good uh, song title what, what was you could have a lyric in that song like uh, you know uh shane was sitting to my right it was the greatest night I'll never forget mm. that talk I had with my best friend. You know, let's workshop it. Or you could call it one-on-one because you you alluded one-on-one. to earlier, like I'm not the greatest in a, a group setting, but one-on-one, it just feels right or it's special or something like that. A lot of basketball metaphors too. We could like mm-hmm. throw because it's a one-on-one. one-on-one. We, like, we like basketball too. That'd be interesting. And how I'm um, good at one-on-one, but not as good in a group setting. Also, it 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 is that it has that parallel. And I find you like doing a thing where it obviously seems like you're talking about a a woman in your song or some romantic relationship and you like chiming in and go actually that's about my best friend Shane or my uh, male friend I have Shane <laughs> you like doing that thing that's different and I think you could yeah seemingly write a romantic song but it's all about me okay two things uh, on mm-hmm. our new record blink once nobody gets me like you do that's very much inspired by uh, Dan Hamilton in a lot of ways uh, and so people think that's a romantic song, but but it's just a song about friendship. Maybe okay, but Shane, here's here's a question for you. If you were, because uh, you know, as Mike pointed out last episode, I like to take little scenes and like little moments and try mm-hmm. to build build a song around that. If you were to talk about like one night in your life or one sort of like moment or happening that uh, that you went through that would make for a good song. Like like sometimes it's like oh, you're in a faraway place. Maybe you're in Amsterdam. Maybe you're in Africa. Maybe you're in Memphis. Um, wh- and something happened. 
Uh, do you have do you have anything in mind that I could get started on? Oh, you could do. The, it's not what you just said, but it is a good adventure, and I talk about this quite often. It's finding out my mom's boyfriend was cheating on her, and just going mm. out and confronting him. There's a lot of lyrical stuff and material. I feel like you could latch onto there. Ooh, I like that. And you could also utilize uh, the the documentary that Shane made for the music video. You could use that old footage of teenage Shane Ooh. burning the clothes and all. Or that for stuff. an interlude, there is a part where in the doc, my mom goes, "Oh my fucking god!" And that could be maybe a lead into the song. <laughs> this beautiful ballad. It's on the next. <laughs> on the next one. Oh my fucking god! Da 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 da. There you go. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, it's been a good chat. Uh, we, we encourage people to get their vaccinations. I feel we haven't really done a ton of vax on the show. This felt like a heavy vax show. That's it. That's all. That's our episode. Thank you so, so much for listening and have a wonderful day.